So I've been real excited about this series of messages, and we're calling it For the One, and it follows right after what we looked at for the entire month of January. Remember, we looked at our mission, our vision, our values as a church, and the pathway that we feel God has led us to accomplish those mission, vision, and values, and so forth. So our mission is the same mission of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so why would we want to create or manufacture another uh, mission if the Lord's mission was that? That's our mission. Our vision at Great Hills, and I love this, it, it's encompassed in these three words, for the one, for that one soul that you may meet, that I may meet out in the marketplace of life, whether it's in Austin or Leander or Cedar Park or wherever we may come from, that God leads us to the individuals that He wants us to minister to, to talk to, and invest in them and invite them to our church. We looked at our, our values as a church, and I just want to reiterate these. Our values, number one, is to teach and preach the Word of God. That is what we do at Great Hills, whether it's in our small groups, our connect groups, our public proclamation. We make a lot about Jesus and the Bible. We also want to build strong families, and that's something that's very important to us here at Great, Great Hills. We want to build strong families. We also want to reach and reach out in ministry to others. We want to focus on prayer, and we also want to focus on unity, being stronger together. And then finally, you can encapsulate our path, the path that God has us on, with this three dimension of being upward in our worship to God. When I talk about worship as a church, it's what we're doing right here. We're focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the center of attention. His Word is going to be proclaimed today. And so our focus is very vertical on our amazing God. Inward has to do with our discipleship, how we teach one another, how we grow in our faith. My passion as a pastor teacher is to see you strongly, I mean deeply embedded in the truth of the gospel so that you're able to live out the life that God has for you. And then thirdly, the outward dimension and service and ministry and impact, evangelism, missions. So there's this, there's this really holistic approach to Christianity that we're really just drilling down on and focused on here at Great Hills. It's all about Christ. We want to study His Word and grow deep in His Word, and then we want to go out and reach and minister to others. And so when I come to this series of messages called For the One, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the New Testament, and we're going to look at opportunities. We're going to look at occasions where Jesus Christ stopped what He was doing, and He focused on that single, solitary soul. You know, for Jesus, it was all about people. He said, here are the two greatest commandments, love God and anybody, love others. And Jesus models that for us. And so I think it behooves us. I think it's very important for us as followers of Christ in any century, but in this 21st century in which we live, to look at the life of Jesus. He's so beautiful, so winsome, so attractive. And what made him that way? Well, he was fully pleasing to the Father, and he was constantly walking around in life looking for someone to heal looking for someone to listen to, looking for someone to touch and minister to, looking for someone to save. And just think about what if we took that, what if we took that model upon ourselves, that we as individual Christians, as we live this life in Austin, Texas, where God has placed us, what if that passion for people consumed us and wherever we were in life, we would just look at people as, as if, man, they, they need God and, and maybe I could be the one to introduce them to God or at least I could be the one to 
pray with them and encourage them. So it was last Tuesday, and I'm thinking about this series of messages. It'll be two weeks ago, this coming Tuesday. My wife, she's getting off of work in, in the afternoon, and she goes, why don't I come by and pick you up and take you out? We'll go get some coffee. And so I said, absolutely. So she came by 3, 2.30, 3.30, something like that in the afternoon, and we went over here to Starbucks, and we were drinking our coffee and just having a good little date, you know, right here in the middle of the day. And, and we were talking about this very thing. We are talking about our church and how Ashley and I, we, we just deeply love Great Hills, and we love what we see God doing in our, in our... And by the way, I'm so proud of my wife Friday night. She got up and spoke. That's not easy for her, but she did because I asked her to, and I'm grateful she said yes. And she spoke, did a great job talking about marriage. And so we're, we're sitting there, and we're, we're talking to one another, and there's this couple behind us. And we're big dog lovers, and obviously this couple is a, a big dog lover, and they have this beautiful rescue dog. And, and I just turned around and looked, and I said, like, squirrel, squirrel, dog. And I said, oh, can I pet your dog? And the lady says, well, be, be careful. He can be a little skittish, you know. And so I, I walked up to it, put my hands out like that, and he was, you know, rubbing up against my hand. So we were petting the dog and, and just kind of talking to him. And then we sat, we sat back down and kept drinking our coffee. And then we talked about reaching people, <laughs> you know, inviting people to Christ and inviting people to church. And I was thinking, wait a minute. There's people right here. And so I, I got back up before we left, and I walked over to them, and Ashley went with me, and we said, hey, we were talking about our dogs a minute ago, but we would also like to talk to you about church. As soon as I said church, they stood up, threw their coffee on the ground, and stormed out of Starbucks. I am just kidding. That is not what they did. <laughs> Jennifer, they did just the opposite. They said, church? Oh, my they said, we have been talking about church. We just got married. We just moved up here from another city. Did you say church? We said, yes. And where is your church? And I was pointing, you know, we're over here at the Starbucks, and we're right down the road. And they said, oh, that is fantastic. It just reminded me, you know, God has people all over the city. And there are a whole lot more people in the city of Austin than there are those of us who are willing to stop and slow down and just talk to them and invite them. So I hope this series of messages that we're going to do about for the one I hope it motivates you and it encourages you to look with the eyes of Christ and not miss an opportunity to pray with somebody or to encourage somebody. And, and take those little cards. I really do encourage you to take them and just, just invite and give to people. And I've been doing this a lot. I've been doing this for seven-plus years, but it seems like just here lately, it's like each time I do it, God just has some kind of favorable response, and I, and I love it. So biographies, I love biographies. That's my favorite reading. Becky Dean, I do like, uh, you know, fiction, novels. That's a lot of fun. But my favorite genre of reading is biography and autobiography. I love presidential biographies, and I also love Christian history biographies. So I'm reading right now two very divergent uh, biographies, and both of them weigh about as much as I do. I mean, these are tomes. These are huge volumes. One of them is on Martin Luther the Protestant Reformer by Eric Metaxas. Thank you, preacher, for highly recommending that book, and it is everything that you said it is. I'm on page 200, and I, 11 o'clock last night, I finally asked, okay, stop reading. I, we went to bed early, about 9 o'clock. I know, I'm showing my age, but 15 seconds later, the wife is gone. She's out. I mean, it takes her about 10 seconds. She's out, and then it takes me two hours to wind down. And So I'm reading Martin Luther, but the other bio I'm reading is the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson. John Bowles has written a definitive volume on Thomas Jefferson, and I'm enjoying reading it. And here's the thing about these men. 
And by the way, it's the same with anybody, male or female, that you want to read their life's history, their life story. Let me, let me just go ahead and prepare you for something. You're going to read some amazing things. And you're going to say, wow, Martin Luther, the, I mean, the catalyst 1517, the Protestant Reformation, and then you'll also read some of his anti-Jew or anti-Semitic views. You'll go, oh, well, that disappoints me. I didn't know he thought like that. Then I'm reading Thomas Jefferson going, wow, what a prodigious mind. I mean, one of the most gifted minds colonial America ever produced, and he becomes the third president of the United States, and he has six kids with his slave. And I'm going, oh, man, Sally Hemmings and Thomas Jefferson had like five or six kids out of this illicit relationship. But here's the thing about Jesus. You never have those oh moments. You never have that. Man, he's doing a great work. Look at Jesus. Wow, but no. You never have that interjection. You never have that conjunction because Jesus Christ, you say, Did, have you read his biography? Yeah. Do y'all know there are four of them? There are four biographies of Jesus. Anybody? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And over the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to study the life of Jesus. For the one, whenever he stops and he speaks to the woman at the well, we're going to stop. Whenever he looks at the rich young ruler and, and his heart goes out to him, we're going to stop and look at the rich young ruler. And so this series of messages is entitled For the One, and it's all about Christ. And I really have been very excited and encouraged in my spirit to, be, to believe that this is the series that God would have us to do. So today is an introduction, okay? Um, and next week will be an introduction as we kind of look at some general characteristics of the life of Christ just, they just made him the person that he was and the person that he is. And so the, the driving text that I want you to think about this morning is Luke 15, 4. Luke 15, 4, when Jesus talked about the 99 uh, and, and leaving the 99 and going to the one, what man of you, Jesus said, if you have a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness? And does he not go after the one, did y'all see that? For the one which is lost until he finds it. Now, in this farming community, agricultural community, I get that. And Jesus certainly got that because he used this as an analogy. Yes, he's talking about a good shepherd, a physical shepherd who would have 100 sheep, and he's got 99, and they're kind of corralled, and maybe he's got some helpers, and everybody's watching them. They're taken care of, and there he goes, that one sheep. And, man, he is in some ravine. He's off somewhere by himself. Will not a good shepherd go, okay, sheep, I love y'all, but i got to go get that one because that one is important to the fold. And, and Jesus is making a point. He said, we can all be here in church, and we can all be loving each other and having a good time, but as long as there's one lost soul in the city of Austin, we got to have that mentality. we got to be willing to say, you know, boy, this is great, and I love being with God's people and worshiping God, and I love studying the Word of God, but as long as there are people who are lonely and hurting and they're going to a Christless eternity, then i got to do everything I can to follow Christ and go searching after the one. Well, that was, that was Jesus. So there are four things I want you to look at with me uh, this morning. Uh, the first one, if you're taking notes, it'll come up here on the, on the screen. Just, just As we look at Jesus, and he is consumed with uh, the one, Jesus does that. He, he pursues that one individual. Let's, let's start rolling the first point, and we'll, uh, we'll go with it. The first thing is that Jesus clearly understood his mission. 
okay? Um, Jesus' mission is clearly delineated in two texts, especially. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we see the, the Lord here, he is, he, he is he's like he's consumed with, with people and, and wanting to fulfill his, his destiny, which was, I have been sent by the Father on a mission trip. I heard it put this way one time. It's very memorable. I'll never forget it. God only had one son, and he made him a missionary. God only had one son, and he was a missionary. And Jesus, by the way, was on a mission. He wanted to, more than anything else, he wanted to redeem the lost sheep of Israel. He wanted to go after them and equip his church to go after the, the entire world. Now, again, I, I just if I follow Christ and I'm reading this, this should not intimidate me. This should really inspire me. This should make me want to, to be able to, to do that, to say, God, you, you've given me a mission. You've given me a vision. You've given me a purpose, and God, I know what it is. And I saw that video a moment ago, and those lonely people going, I'm looking for purpose, and I'm looking for a meaning in life. And God says, I've got a meaning for you. Know me, and then as you know me, go and share me with everybody that you meet. It's a beautiful mission. You say, well, but that's, that's what we pay you to do, Brother Danny. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. You do that so that I don't have to do that. I, I'll just live my life, keep my nose clean, and just do what I'm supposed to do. But you go out there, and, man, you win the world to Jesus, and I'll just cheer you on. And that's not how it works. And that's the thing Martin Luther protested against so vehemently. Because you had this demarcation, you had this clergy and the priest and the pope, and we're superior to all you lowlings out there in the pews, and we'll just tell you what to do, and we'll just do everything for you. No, and Luther says, that's ridiculous. As I read the New Testament, I mean, we are in this thing together. I mean, pastor and people, and, and we're supposed to go out and, and win the world for Christ. One of my, my buddies, I, I still keep up with him. He's, uh, he's an interesting guy. His name is Chris Cruz, and Chris, I was his pastor in Virginia, and for 17 years, he was an engineer with NASA. And I had a lot of NASA engineers in our church there at Liberty because Langley, NASA was right there in, in Hampton. And so for 17 years, Chris, he did what they do at NASA. They put people in the space and satellites, and he's just brilliant, but he said, you know, this is not very fulfilling. I want to do something else with my life. And so in his late 30s, maybe early 40s, he, he told Cindy, he said, Honey, I've I got to tell you something. I'm resigning from NASA, and I'm going into financial planning. What do you think about that? And she was like, Oh, boy, you're scaring me, honey. I mean, we, we've got a good life. You know, you got a solid job. You, you've gone to school forever to be a NASA engineer, and you want to do what? You want to help people make money and bless people. Okay, well, let's, let's do this. Oh, my word. Let me tell you how it's turned out for them. Amazing. I mean, they have made a lot of money, and they've helped a lot of people make a lot of money. But he was on a mission trip one time in New Mexico. And the pastor there at the church told him, said, now, listen, you're not going to be one of the witnesses. You're going to drive the van. That's all we want you to do. We leave the witnessing up to us. I, again, I just have a hard time with that. I think everybody ought to witness. And, and Chris was like, okay, I'll, I'll do what you need me to do. I'll drive the van. And so he's driving the van, true story, in New Mexico. 
And this guy comes up behind him, this big, burly biker. Picture him in your mind, all right? Big, burly biker, Harley Davidson, and his babe is on the back seat, all right? And they're just riding through the countryside. And Chris says, this guy keeps following me, and I can't shake him. I go right, he goes right. I go left, he goes left. So finally, Chris is getting a little bit nervous, and he pulls off the side of the road, and he he does this like, you can come on. And the guy pulls up beside him and stops. He said, hey, he said, are you with this church group? Because it's a church van, you know, it says Baptist church and all. And Chris says, first of all, he said, I didn't know how to answer that question, you know. Like, he said, yes, yes, I am. And he said, are you the pastor of this group? Chris says, oh, oh, no. And the guy says, good, because I don't trust them. (laughs) He said, do you believe what's written on that van? Had some Christian saying. And Chris says, well, you know, actually, I, I, I do believe this, and, you know, I am a follower of Christ. And the big guy on the bike, he just stopped on the side of the road, and he looked at Chris, and he said, for five years, I've been searching for something. I've been looking. There's got to be a God. There's got to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing. And so I just want to ask you a question. Do you think you could help me? Now, what if Chris said, that's not my job, I'm not the witness, you know, I'm the financial planner and the pastors, they do all that. That's not what Chris did. He said, sir, let me, let me tell you something. And Chris said, I was so nervous. <laughs> he said, I, I just want you to know, yes, there is a purpose for you. God loves you. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And if you will trust in him and serve him, you will go to heaven. That's what you've been missing. And the guy looked at him. He goes, you know what? You're exactly right. And he goes, I want that. And Chris was like, oh, goodness, I don't know what to do next. You know, he, he could call the pastor. Or whatever. He, said, I don't, he said, sir, this is, this is pretty new for me, and I don't really know what to do next, but this is what I suggest. I'm just going to pray, then I want you to pray. <laughs> the lady sitting on the back, Chris said, never said a word the whole time. She never looked at Chris. She just sat on the back the whole time. And so Chris prayed, and the big biker, oh, I love to hear these people pray. These these folks are stepping out of darkness into light, and it wasn't the most eloquent, beautiful, churchianity prayer. It was just a beautiful prayer that went something like, God, I'm a mess. Lord, would you come into my life? I give you my life. And he was born again right, right there on his bike. And the lady on the bike, she never did anything. She just sat right there. See, that's all of our purpose. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Number two, the thing that impresses me about Christ, he was always interested in accomplishing the Father's will. Dedicated to accomplishing the Father's will. Now, remember, we're just laying some ground principles here. We're preparing for this series that we're going to get in verse by verse and look at these, look at these encounters in the weeks to come. In John 5, there's a verse that just grasps me, and it, it just it challenges me because it says, Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, or verily, verily, um, or you could translate it, this is my translation of it. Hey, this is important. Listen, heads up. Listen up. I want to tell you something. The Son can do nothing of Himself, but whatever He sees the Father do for whatever He does... The Son does it in like manner. Now, wrap your mind around that for just a moment. Jesus said, I am here on a mission. My purpose is to do whatever I see the Father doing. Now, does this tell us something about God the Father? If God the Father is constantly leading His Son to the woman at the well, to Zacchaeus 
in the tree to the rich young ruler or, or, or to Nicodemus at night. Or, you know, Jesus is going all of these places and he's stopping and he's ministering to people. Well, what does that tell us about God? That tells us that God loves people and that God wants his son I mean, Jesus, I mean, he could have done all kinds of things, but you see him in the New Testament, in his biographies, wherever he's going, he's stopping, he's speaking, he's loving. By the way, he's rejected sometimes. The rich young ruler says, no, thanks, but no thanks. And Jesus didn't go, whoa, 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 hold on just a second. Let me rephrase that. No, Jesus let him go, right? But Zacchaeus, he said, get down out of the tree, woman at the well. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so Jesus is doing all of this. Why? Because he is hearing the Father. And when the father says, there's one, there's another one. She needs you. He needs you. And so Jesus says, I hear you, father. And he goes, what if we did that? No, really. What what if we really did that? And we were so in tune to the father. And that we're sitting next to our colleague at work and says, you need to pray for her. You need to pray for him. Reach out to them. Again, guys, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, many of you have many years on me in this city. I'm just coming up on eight years, but I've never seen more openness to Christ and the church and the gospel than I'm seeing right now. So let's take advantage of it. If, and if people are really going to hell <laughs> and Jesus really does love them and he can help them, how much do we have to hate people not to tell them? So we tell them, we love them, we encourage them, we do everything we can, and we're just following uh, the example of Jesus. A couple more things, and, and we're done. Stay with me on this one, because I don't want to be confusing, and I don't want to um, confuse you at all, but the Holy Spirit filled Jesus and endued him with power. Now we're talking about the Godhead. There's Father, there's Son, and there's Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3, all three of them are on display. When Jesus baptism, you remember that story? When Jesus gets baptized, you hear this voice from heaven. The Father says, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And what came in the form of, or like a dove, what does it say? The Holy Spirit. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. That's Matthew chapter 3. Now let me read you Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then that same Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And let me explain this. This is very, very important. At his baptism, Jesus Christ, he, he receives this filling, this endowment of, of power of the Holy Spirit. It says it right there in Matthew chapter 3. And he's beginning his, his ministry. By the way, you and I received that at conversion. The Holy Spirit of God comes within us at the very moment we say Jesus Christ is Lord. The Spirit of God comes in us and he does, an, he does a miraculous work in us. So that same Holy Spirit, he descends upon the Son, the eternal Son, and then immediately in chapter 4 it says, and he leads him to trouble. (laughs) He leads him to trouble. You say, what was the trouble? Well, for 40 days he's not going to eat, he's not going to drink, he's going to be tempted by the devil to totally ruin his message and his ministry. 
The devil's going to do everything in his power to keep Jesus from going to the cross. But Jesus Christ, watch this, led by the Spirit, endued by the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he starts quoting Scripture, and he says, I'm here for a reason. I'm not here to be a popular Messiah. I'm not here to feed the entire world. I'm here to die for the sins of the world. And when I die and when I rise, there will be multitudes who will come to faith in me. That's my mission, and you can't stop me. You cannot stop me. And so all of these things are happening. And Jesus is moving in power and he's resisting the devil. And that's what he wants for us. Spirit of God comes in us. He goes, I've got a job for you. i got a mission for you. It was Bryant. It was Bryant. Only got two sons. Had to be one or the other. So it's Bryant. He calls me, Pops, i got to tell you something. It really blesses the heart of a dad when a son calls and says, I just heard a great sermon. Let me, let me preach it to you. He said, there's two things Pastor Jared shared with us at 6.30 this morning at, at Prestonwood. He said, first of all, that God, he has a purpose for us. He has a passionate purpose for us. For all of us. And the devil will do everything in his power from keeping us from that purpose. Okay? And I said, boy, Brian, that is, that is so true. And then he said something else, Dad. He said, and when we receive that purpose and we overcome and we start to realize it's not about me, it's about Christ and it's about others, the moment we step into that arena, then the devil has a whole nother arsenal against us. <laughs> <laughs> he has a whole nother weaponry to come against us. And I thought, Brian, that is, that is very powerful. So how do we overcome that? How do we go after the one? How do we, how do we serve in the power of God? Well, we, we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad that God doesn't ask us to convict anybody or to convert anybody? God just asks us to tell everybody. He, he, he does a whole lot better job than we do. You ever tried to convict somebody of their sin and convert? The, it, it's ugly, isn't it? It just goes really, really bad. Here, here's what I use with people, and I've gotten lots of traction with this. I tell them, first of all, so I just want to tell you something. I'm serious. You can try this. You don't have to be a pastor to try this. I said, God, God loves you and God loves me and God has left me on this earth so that I can tell you about him. You say, do you really tell people that? I really do. They don't throw coffee in my face. They don't slap me upside the head. They don't cuss me out. They just, at least they will hear me out. God loves you. God loves me. God left me here so that I could tell you about him. And the other thing I share with people is this. God is for you. God's not against you. Did you hear that? Does everybody hear that? God is for you. God is not against you. A lot of people think God hates them. Some of you think God hates you. And I'm so sorry. Because God doesn't hate you. God loves you. In our sin, if we die in our sin, we are the object of his wrath because we die sinful. But that's not God's desire. God, the Bible says he didn't want anybody to, to perish. He wants everybody to repent. And so God invites you to come to him, himself. And that's what I tell people. I say, listen, God is for you. God is not against you. 
Last thing I want to share with you by way of introduction. It's kind of fun just walking around up here by myself. It's better than walking around there by myself, so I like this. Compassion. Jesus was compassionate toward people. You write that down, the last thing. In Matthew chapter 9, as I give you this overview of the life of Christ as we study his biographies, you notice we kind of go in different, different gospels and look at, oh, that reminds me of something I'm supposed to tell y'all. The December edition of National Geographic, uh, thank you, Jeff Bonham, for giving me this. When he first gave it to me, it has a picture of Jesus, what people think Jesus looked like. And at the bottom of it, it says, the search for the real Jesus. What archaeology tells us about the Bible. I just want you all to know my first reaction was I rolled my eyes. Because I've read enough of time and Newsweek, and I've read all these liberal theologians going, was he a moral teacher, or was he a social reformer, or maybe he was just a mystical figure. We don't know. Maybe he was the son of God. No, we don't know. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. But in honor of my friend Jeff, I said, I will read it, and I'll let him know. I read it, and it was terrible, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. This lady's going, um, basically, I just got to let y'all know that there's these amazing discoveries happening in archaeology, and every one of them lines up with the Bible. National Geographic, December 2017. You're skeptical, so read it. I was so impressed, I wrote her a note. And I just said, I just want to thank you for telling the truth, for writing this. And she interjects some skepticism, and she interjects some objections to Scripture, which are easily answered. But, she, but she'd show these pictures, and she'd go, well, for many, many years, people laughed about Jesus at the Pool of Siloam. He never was there. Oh, by the way, we, we found all the pools. He was there. I'm like, really? I mean, just story after story. I just love it when science... And archaeology catch up with the Word of God. Let me just let me just put that out there right quick. So, so Jesus went about all the villages and the cities. Watch him, y'all. Watch him. This is what he did. He taught the people in their synagogues. The synagogue was a meeting place of the Jews, a place of worship for the Jews. Wherever he went, he he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. So what is that? The gospel is the good news that we don't have to go to Siloam anymore. We have a helper. We have a Savior. He's come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everybody who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus is going all throughout the countryside and the cities and he's preaching this message. And notice what else he's doing. He's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion uh, this, this is a very powerful word in the Greek New Testament. Splakna means to be viscerally, bodily moved. Stay with me. You, you move so much, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. He was moved with compassion for them because these people were weary and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And so Jesus now turns to his disciples and if we follow Christ today, we can just say, he's turning to me. And they're watching him, and they're following him, and he wants them to. 
And he says, guys, let me tell you something. The harvest is very plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will ekbalo is the Greek word. And it's the word where you take a stone and you just toss it across the pond. It just skips across the pond. He says, pray that the Father will take your life and he will just kind of skip you across the lake of lost humanity. And you will get out of your comfort zone and you'll do everything in your power with your gifts and your abilities and your talents. And you will go out, watch this, into the field and work for me. And that's Jesus. He's just amazing. No wonder if you read his biographies with an open mind, you can't help but worship him, right? Much more than a moral teacher, a social reformer, a mystical fable figure. He's, he's the real deal. So his words of compassion. Remember these words? Neither do I condemn you, lady. Go and sin no more. Thank you, Jesus. What about his tears of compassion? And Mary and Martha come, and they're, they're so sad because their brother Lazarus has died. And John 8, uh, is it 11, 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible. Everybody can memorize that one. It says, Jesus wept. Congratulations. You got a scripture memory under your belt today. Good job. Jesus wept. And, and, and this last one, his words, his tears, his deeds of compassion. And that's the, that's the Matthew 9 passage. And Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I bravely do my part to win that soul for thee, some soul for thee, some soul for thee. This is my earnest plea. Help me each day on life's highway to win some soul for thee. Remember that old hymn? I remember that old hymn. Well, I remember that song not too many years ago. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And I thought, God, what if, what if we... What if we got it? What if we caught it at the very inception? And we watched you over these next weeks and months and we studied your life. And what if Great Hills Baptist Church was a little army on fire wherever we go, leading people to Jesus, discipling people toward Jesus, and then we send them out? I hope we can plant a bunch more churches. You say, well, how's that going for you, Mr. Big Shot Pastor? How's that church planting going for you? Well, thank you for asking. Let me tell you a little bit about that. It's going rough. <laughs> we had the worst month of giving in the, all the months I've been the pastor here at Great Hills. January was awful. <laughs> you say, well, people were sick and people were traveling. I get that. It's still awful. I'm just telling you, all right? Yeah, but you send all those people up there and they're tithing and they're giving their money and that money's not coming here, and so that's a mistake, isn't it? No, it's not. I still believe that the greatest way to reach people is to plant churches. I love seeing us grow and, and gather, but I also want to see us go and scatter. By the way, they are, they're doing great. They had 91 their first Sunday. And the next Sunday they had 89, which is, which is a, a miracle. It's wonderful. Go back with me to the guy on the bike. You with me? Stay with me right there. 
It's 12 o'clock and I'm done. I like the way that happens. Because at 12 o'clock, here's what some of you guys do. I'm done. It's over. It's 12 o'clock. The restaurant is calling me. I, I need to go. And I'm going to try to honor that because I know those restaurants are very important. So let me, let me honor that. You're on the bike. And you say, I know there's more to this life than what I'm experiencing. God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Is that you today? I think it is. I think it is. I think there are many bikers on the bike at Great Hills right now. And there are hundreds of people. It's really interesting. Our church is, is growing in, in different ways, but our internet church is, is growing a lot faster than our church right here. It's, it's funny how that works. I don't, it's funny. So you're sitting on the bike and you're asking, Do you believe that, Brother Danny? I do. Can you help me? And I want to. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to have our invitation. There are people all over this sanctuary. There are literally people all over this nation praying for this sacred, solemn moment that we're about to enter into called an invitation. And you're here today not by accident, but you're here by divine appointment. I feel the Spirit of God impress me, remind me to pray for got a special prayer request uh, Mary, God bless you. She's from Iran, and she's asked us to pray for her country. It's a tumultuous day. It's a difficult day in, in Iran, and so we're praying for peace, praying for the peace of Jesus among the precious Persian people, even now, that the Prince of Peace will be manifested in that country. But I'm praying right now for you, my friend, that you're here today, and you're, you need peace. You're hurting. You're searching. All this validation, all this exoneration, all this vindication of the Bible. You're like, yeah, that sounds good, but what does it mean to me? How can it help me? God is for you. He's not against you. Jesus loves you very much. And by the power of his spirit, he is speaking to you. And he's saying to you these words, come. Come and follow me. Would you do that? Would you do that now? You say, well, how do I do that, preacher? What, what do I need to do? It's really simple. and It could be as simple as saying, Lord, I believe. Lord, I turn away from my life and my sin, and I, I by faith, just, I just cast my entire life upon you. Lord, take me just as I am. Would you do that right now? Listen, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to, to walk out of this place going, yeah, Jesus is very attractive and he's amazing, but, you know, I'll just put him off. I'll just wait till another time. There may not be another time, so why don't you come to him today? Just pray. Just say these words. Say, Jesus, I love you, and Jesus, I need you. Save me, oh God. Now, with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, let, let me say this to you. Before you leave this campus today, would you please let somebody know what you've done? We'll have people up here at the altar in a moment. There'll be a, called an invitation time. We, we'd invite you to come and tell me, tell one of our pastors, tell one of our decision counselors, that's what I did. I was that guy on the bike. And just as God saved him, I called out for God to save me. Don't be like the girlfriend on the bike. <laughs> Stoic, very uninterested. That's good for you, but that's not for me. No, do like the guy on the bike. 
Great Hills, I want you to be praying. In a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. But as you stand in a moment, would you just keep praying that the Spirit of God would draw him or draw her unto himself. And when we stand up and we leave, I want all of us to go out into the, the great hall and grab up those decals, grab up those cards and brochures and just say, Jesus was for the one. Man, I'm for the one. I might get rejected. I might get ridiculed. I might get laughed at. I may even lose my job, but Jesus, is, he's worth it. Father, we love you. We just commit ourselves to you as a church family to be more passionate for lost people, more passionate for people that hurt. And Lord, today we don't have to go very far because you brought a bunch of them to us in this room right now. And I'm praying for them, God. They would know. They would know that God has spoken to them. And they would respond and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Take me, O God, as I am. Thank you, Lord. We look forward to meeting them and encouraging them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now go ahead and stand to your feet in an attitude of prayer. And Terry and the team are going to lead us. We have pastors and staff here. We want to meet you. We want to pray with you, encourage you any way we can. So God bless you as you come.